Hello and welcome to episode eight of the Wrexham Legends Launch Podcast. Myself, Andrew Pollard, in association with Hill Street Social. Uh, this time out, it's Lee Jones back in the hot seat. This is part two of an extensive, a fascinating chat with Lee. Uh, last time out, we got up to Lee's time at Liverpool. We'll be uh, elaborating a bit more on that here before then. Talk about his, his two return loan spells he had in the mid-90s at Wrexham. Uh, moving to Tramway, moving to Barnsley, and of course, returning to Wrexham for a fourth and final time where he helped us seal promotion under Sir Dennis Smith. Uh, and what a um, what a, an array of, of strikers we had to choose from at that point in time. That was when we had four who could come in and do a job. There'd be Lee Jones, there'd be Hector Sand, there'd be Lee Trundle, and of course, Andy Morell. Four great forwards, four players, with, all with different attributes that brought so much to the team and that side and that squad and hence we got promoted. But yeah, we'll be talking about all of that, that goal away against Shrewsbury to effectively seal promotion that season. But we're talking, uh, after Lee's playing career, we'll be talking about his move into, into the coaching side of the game, where he's uh, well currently working now at Burnley as a scout, also involved in Flint Town. Um, and yeah, it's, it's time at the, the Glendale Football Academy as well. Just so many things to cover. Um, the, the first part was great. This part is just as good, if not not better. There are fan questions for Lee as well, as well as him picking it his own personal Wrexham 11 from his time involved at the football club. Now, of course, it's like I said, this is somebody who's had four spells there, starting from the early 90s right the way through to the early 2000s. So it's um, it's a hell of a lineup Lee's, uh, Lee, Lee puts together from a, a hell of a selection of players, should we say. So without any further ado, this is part two. Be sure to like, uh, retweet, subscribe, comment, whatever, leave a review, whatever you're watching or listening to this on. Uh, find us at Wrexham Legends on uh, on all your usual podcast platforms, your Spotify, your iTunes, your TuneIn, your Stitching, wherever you find your podcasts, or of course, Wrexham Legends on YouTube. Thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and uh, here's part two. Yeah. When you're at that point, though, when you get in hammered every day and you're you're not enjoying it, how much is it of a relief is it then when, I guess it'd be crew would be the first team you go on loan to, but how, was, how much of a relief was it to go out on loan? Yeah. It wasn't. Oh. <laughs> and, and, and again, you know, and I'm... And, Said it loads of times. So Graham Souness, when he signed me, I was Graham Souness was in charge of us for two and a half years and spoke to me twice. Wow. Now okay. spoke to me twice, as in, I signed and he and he spoke to me and he said, "Listen, you have got a lot of hard work in front of you. You need to get to these levels." Blah 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 blah. And apart from that, to the day before that, I went along to Crew, which was probably two years after I'd been. They never spoke to me. And, I, and you'll think that's a bit of an exaggeration. I would walk past him in the corridor and you wouldn't even get a hello. That was, if you went in, and, and, and this was the standard of, of, and this was how it was at Liverpool, if you went in the first 11 or the two subs, you would, you would cast aside. Didn't, people didn't want to speak to you. Only when you come into the fold of the first team that, you, that it got a little bit sort of, you know, you could have a bit of, a relationship with Graham Sooners, if you like, in terms of what he needed from you and stuff like that. And that that occasion that you're talking about going on loan to crew. So on the Friday, I'd scored a few goals with reserves. And on the Friday, Graham Sooners called me in the office. And he said, sit down. He said, there, just let you know you're going on loan to crew. And I said, to be honest, I don't want to go. And he just stared at me. And I was like, oh, shit, what have I done? He went, I ain't asking you. You're going, and you're going tomorrow. You're playing tomorrow. So I was like, right. He said, it'll do you good. Get some first-team games under your belt. Go and play. 
go relax, come back, we'll see how you get on. So it's okay. So I was a little bit, wow. The problem that I think happened was that I went to crew and Liverpool every single day was warm up. And this is no exaggeration, by the way, warm up, 15 minutes, five aside, 45 minutes, six sprints at the end, done every day. No coaching. That was it. So you learn everything. You do some 11 by 11 on the odd occasion, but that was every day. I went to crew where Dario Grady was the manager and there was no five sides. There was no shooting. Every day was a coaching session. So for two hours a day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, no day off, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, was coaching. And I was like, I'll be honest with this. So lasted there, I think about eight weeks. And I just said to Dario, I said, listen, it's not working for me. And it wasn't working for crew. No, I think I played some like six games and scored, scored one goal, I think it was. So it wasn't working for either party. Went back to Liverpool. And then shortly after that, Graham left and Roy Evans took over. And then obviously I had a great relationship with, with Roy Evans, I suppose, up until the end. Uh, so that was a sort of different managerial style. Yeah. So yeah. that was the only that was the only sort of highlight really of crew. I remember scoring a 35 yarder at crew uh, against Rochdale against a guy actually who is our who works for me in recruitment at Burnley now, goalkeeper Martin Hodge. Uh, so I rip him about that now and again. But that was really that was the only highlight of of being at crew, if I'm being honest. That was that was at a time where crew in the nineties in the, in the mid nineties early nineties and into the late nineties to be honest through the whole decade they were under Dario Grady they were kind of the the low league team that were known as playing good football there'd be people like uh, yeah. Neil Lennon Danny Murphy Robbie Savage yeah. was there Ashley Ward Rob, uh, Rob, Rob Jones. Jones yeah, yeah. Robert, Rob had gone to Liverpool twelve months prior and was in the first yeah. team and done really really well obviously curtailed by injury but yeah at the time so I played with Neil Lennon Stevie Walters. That's uh, about, I, was, I was trying to think there was a left-sided player who was trying to think of Steve Walters Stevie Walters Tony Naylor who, who had a good career ended up at Port Vale so at the time yeah and, and that was like their production lines you know Ashley Ward come through it yeah. and obviously I think he ended up going to Man City Barnley played at Barnsley uh, so there was there was like a, a production line of players who were, who were they were churning out year on year on year and that's how they survived you know uh, but it just was a million miles away from... I, I, I'd felt I'd gone from Wrexham to Liverpool. I'd settled down at Liverpool after around six months and I was then enjoying the football and I was, you know, scoring regular in the reserves and stuff. I'd been in and out of a few first-team squads and then all of a sudden just to be sort of cast... I felt like I was cast aside, if you like, a crew. Because I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to go on loan to a club, I need to go on, on loan to a club where I'm going to be playing. Yeah. Whereas... It was just a case of, well, if you play, you play. If you don't, you don't. So it wasn't really beneficial for me or for crew or for Liverpool. But yeah. I ended up doing it because Graham Souness's eyes were so threatening that day. I thought to myself, <laughs> it's bad enough now to see them on like on Sky oh, on, on Super Sunday. Yeah, he's just eyeballing somebody across the studio. It's he's like, fine now. He's fine with me now. To be fair, I bumped into him. I bumped into him a couple of times, and and he's fine. And you know, he, and he openly admits, you know, his his methods of management back in the day were a million miles of how it probably should. He tried to change things too quick, mm. you know, in terms of things that he did and it didn't really work. But, uh, you know, he is, he's a fearsome character and I wouldn't, uh, 
I wouldn't mess with him now, and I certainly wouldn't have messed with him 30-odd years ago. No, it's, it always gives me a chuckle to see him, like, on Sky on a Sunday, and he's talking about there'll be some horror tackle, and he's, he's yeah. having a rant at the player who's took someone out, and then you're thinking... I, I'm old enough to remember Graeme Souness's tackles and seeing like the, the videos yeah. of Graeme Souness where he's just going through people. It like knee Crazy. high studs, no Crazy. intention of the ball. Um, yeah, intense fellow. But when was it you, you got the when you when you broke your leg at Liverpool? Because that was obviously that's a massive leg. moment. Yeah, so I'd been given a new two year contract at Liverpool, and I was doing really well. Scored like 15, 20 goals in the reserves, and we were playing Sunderland on a, a Tuesday night. And, and I was, I'd been on the bench four or five times and there was talk in the press that I'm going to get the chance and this and that. And I remember there was a guy called Gary Bennett, funny enough, who was the oh, centre yes, yes. And in the first five minutes of playing Anfield, we're 2-0 up and I've scored two. And Gary Bennett says to me, just after the second kick-off, he said, he said uh, next time the ball comes to you, I am breaking your leg. And I was like, good one like that. And within a minute, he tackled me and I just, and I, he cracked my fib just below my knee. That's how high it was. And then that was it. So I was out for three months. So that was a, that was a tough thing to take, really. That was, you know, there was, I had a, I had a load of injuries. I had, uh, so I tore my Achilles within three months of being at Liverpool. I broke my leg. Uh, I had to have my thigh muscle fused back onto the bone. Uh, and I had two horrendous hamstring injuries, as in I'd been shot, and I've still got the golf ball in my right one to prove it. It's it's horrendous. But, you know, so for probably the five years I was there, I was probably injured in total around two, two and a half years. So, you know, but that's football. You know, a lot of people go through football without having an injury. Some of the soft tissue injuries you pick up, but the leg break was, you know, it was just a, just a nasty tackle. Like, but... Again, you could get away with it. You was there any any apology after the game, or no, you, uh, no nothing? Just no. Well, I, what it actually happened in the centre circle at Anfield, and the referee said to me that I had to walk off. He said, "You're faking injury." Wow. And he made me walk off with the physio. He he never refereed a game after that because we put a complaint in. That obviously, you know, I, I said, listen, I need the physio, I need the stretcher. I said, I've done something. I've got this horrific pain just below my knee. And he was like, no, nah, you can walk off. He said it wasn't a bad tackle. So obviously, he never refereed again. But yeah, it was that. It was quite a high one, to be fair. Yeah, by the sounds of it on that one. Yeah. Uh, and I guess when, this is, when these injuries are coming on, that's when Liverpool give a chance to Robbie Fowler as well, who you've been playing Rezzy's with. Yeah, yeah. So Robbie, Robbie obviously got into the team. Uh, so it was, as I say, I was there for five years. And when I got there, there was Russian Saunders and Rosenthal. Then sort of the mid-time I was there, Robbie Fowler broke into the team. And obviously we all know what happened with that. And then the back end, uh, just before I left, Michael Owen broke into the team. So if you look at that, there's Ian Rush, Robbie Fowler and Michael Owen, arguably the three best or one of the best strikers in the world at their time. Michael won the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. Ian Rush is a record scorer for Wales and Robbie Fowler, you know, was just a born natural finisher from Liverpool who... Yeah was unbelievable. He but, was another way he got his injuries a bit later on, but those first yeah. probably six years of Robbie Fowler was just oh, it unbelievable. Was yeah. He was yeah. frightening. And we used to play up front in the reserves together and it was it was it was frightening, honestly. It was magnificent just to play with him and 
you know, Robbie was one of them players, if right foot, left foot, you yeah. said, put the ball anywhere in the net, he would do it with with ease, you know. And then, as I say, when I left, I left Liverpool, uh, would have been in 97, and Michael was coming through. Yeah. They'd offered me another, I'd been there for five years, they'd offered me another two-year contract. And I just thought, I just need to leave now because I've not played my football. And then ended up going to Tramway. Yeah. Um, before you went to Tram, before you left Liverpool, you come back to Wrexham on loan for two spells. Yeah. Um, yeah. First one was a year before when like, nine and 20 you got for us. And yeah. it, was, was there any chance of making that permanent at the time? Because you came back and it just one, seemed perfect. Yeah, the first one, the first one wasn't ever, ever a chance of being permanent. Yeah. The second one was, I remember Brian Flynn speaking to me. Uh, I'd had an interest from six or seven clubs. Uh Ipswich, Norwich were two. Uh, Tranmere was another. And Wrexham was one of another couple in the lower leagues, if you like. Yeah. I, think, I think we were league, I think we were league one at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mid-table league. The old second one. division league one. Yeah. Now. yeah, Ipswich, Norwich, Tranmere were in the championship as it is now. And I just felt coming from Liverpool, I wanted to, I'd obviously played a few games in the Premier League, but I just felt that I wanted to, try and play as high as I could. Yeah. So yeah. Brian Flynn, had, had offered, they'd offered me a two-year contract. Uh, again, didn't even discuss money, anything like that. And, and I, I just said, listen, I said, I've been at Liverpool for five years and I feel like I need to go and play somewhere where I can try and be as high as I can and give myself the best opportunity to get back into the Premier League. And I felt with either Ipswich, Norwich, Tranmere, I would have that opportunity. So that was the reason that that I ended up going to Tranmere. But yeah, yeah was, there was an opportunity. Yeah, well, that was Tranmere at the time when, I mean, it, it, it feels strange to say it now. I guess in a way it's strange to say that mm. this is a Wrexham who were maybe looking at the Championship. That was a Tranmere yeah. who were yeah. in what's a Championship, looking to get to the Premier League when they'd have, I guess, Ian Moore would be up front. Uh, I think Pat Nevin might have still been there. Pat Nevin, Gary Stevens, we had. Aldo was, was obviously there and the manager. And then when I'd signed there, they were eighth in the Championship, as it is now, or League One. Uh, and I'd gone in there for the last eight games, I think it was, and we just missed out on the playoffs by a point. I think Port Vale sneaked in above us for a point on the last day. Uh, so that was that was disappointing, but as I say, going back to it, I, I just felt that that was my best chance of maybe playing in the Premier League again. I had opportunities to go abroad when I left Liverpool. You know, I, I had opportunities from Holland, from Belgium, Germany... Uh, but I just felt that at the time that I needed to be playing in a team where I, I had the best opportunity to be back in the Premier League because obviously in 92 when the Premier League started it was already up and running them for five years and foreigners, foreign players if you like were already trying to get into the league yeah. because they knew it was going to be the best league and I thought to myself well, why do I want to go abroad when all the, when the best league is here so I, that was the reason I chose to stay and then obviously ended up with three years at Tramway. Yeah, and during that time, that was when we'd have the, because it was 94, 95, you come in on loan and, and play, mm. I think it was the 20 games and it was that brief spell the year after. And yeah. it was that year after 96, 97, where we had the, the FA Cup run, missed out on the playoffs yeah. on four points. The year after we missed out on the playoffs on goal difference, which yeah. still pays me to this day. But we're, we're, because obviously a lot of the lads that were there then were lads that you 
had come through with uh, and with, with your mm-hmm. mates. Was there ever that like envious look of like obviously you want to you want to play as high as you can, but just thinking yeah. like especially the FA Cup run, it's like oh, I'd like to have. Well, the the FA Cup run, I was. I was at the club for the FA Cup run, yeah. and I remember, yeah. but I couldn't play in the F- I couldn't play in it uh, for some reason. And I remember going to Birmingham, uh, St Andrews, when we beat Birmingham three one. And I remember being in the change rooms with Joey before the game. So Joey drove me there, and I remember sitting in the change rooms an hour and a half before the game, thinking, oh, "God, I would just wish I was playing." So I was I was was very envious. Yeah. And then obviously, when you come out. And I was in the dugout and I'm looking at our fans behind the goal and I'm just thinking, oh, if we win today, it's going to go absolutely mental. And we, obviously we did. Uh, so there, there was a little bit of envy, yeah, definitely, because it's my hometown club, you know. I, I went to watch Wrexham last night and I'm still thinking to myself, oh, I'd love just to be pulling the shirt on, even though there's no fans in the stadium. Because it just it gives me a buzz to think that I, you know, that I used to play there. So to be stood... At St Andrews, thinking, well, we've got a chance of getting into the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. You know, it was massive. So, yeah. still yeah, my favorite, probably, still probably my favorite Wrexham game. That just, yeah, goosebumps yeah. this day. Um, yeah, what, um, uh, yeah, what, what an away day. Well, uh, young me, well, it was just, yeah, it's that whole, uh, yeah, one of the first away games I think I've been to. It might have been maybe my fourth or fifth, third, something like that, and it was just to go against this Birmingham team that were, again, yeah. championship full of yeah. Steve Bruce, Anders Limpart, uh, Ian Bennett in Nets, Paul Devlin, um, all yeah. these players. And yeah, what a game. But uh, away from like the, the club football, you've obviously got a couple of Wales caps around this time as well. Yeah. And how, how was that to be in, a, in and around the squad? Because that'd be Bobby Gold as manager then. Bobby Gould, uh, yeah, yeah, which was, yeah, he was a bit eccentric, Bobby. Uh, I think he put himself on for one game. Gaz Owen talked about that, yeah, but there was some some friendly where he brought himself on I for fifty. I think it was in Cardiff. I think I, I think I may have been on the bench. I can't even remember. But he was uh, he put himself on. But yeah, he was a little bit eccentric. I mean, the two games I I was involved in. Well, I was involved in five or six on the bench. Uh, the two games I got on was Scotland away in the, in the summer ninety seven ninety eight. I think it was when we beat. Scotland 1-0 at Kilmarnock's ground. Came on for the last 10 minutes. Hit the post as well. Gutted I was, I hit the post. Uh, and then I I played, I came on for Dean Saunders in Turkey at Galatasaray Stadium when we got beat 6-4 in a, I think it was a European Cup qualifier or a World Cup qualifier. Uh, so they were my two, my two caps. And as I say, I was on the bench for probably six or seven other games, but never really, you know, didn't really get the chance of, of playing again. But at the time, Rush, Saunders, Mark Hughes, they're the three centre-forwards. And yeah. John Hartson, I come through the 21s with John Hartson, who obviously went on to have a fantastic career. And then Hart sort of made his way in. So it was it was never realistic that I was going to displace Hughes, Rush or Saunders, if you like. So I always knew that whenever I went to a squad, I was going to be a bit part player. And, and that's what I was, you know. And But I got two caps for it. I've got two more than many people could ever say. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's good. Yeah, and it'd be after trying to be Barnsley. And then you'd come back for yeah. the, the end of the, what, 0102 season back at Wrexham? Um, yeah, back- so, yeah, I was, I was two years into a three-year contract at Barnsley. Yeah. And the manager, we had two managers. So Dave Bassett took me there. 
and left after about six months. And Harry, uh, uh, Harry left. Nigel Spackman took over and was there for around eight or nine months. And then a guy called Steve Parkin came in. And from the day one, Steve Parkin said to me, he said, you're not going to play for me. I hadn't even played a game. Yeah, I hadn't even had a training session. And he called me and he said, you're not going to play for me. He said, so if you want to look for another club, that's fine. I said, well, I've got, what did I have left? 20 months left of a three-year contract. He said, well, you're not going to play. And to be fair, he made my life hell, you know. So he would phone me up and he would say, rightly, we're training in the morning on a Sunday morning. So I'd drive to Barnsley. I had a flat in Barnsley at the time as well. But I drove, I'd drive to Barnsley on a Sunday morning, uh, get there at nine o'clock, two hours over there, get there at nine o'clock, not a soul there. So I'd phone the manager up and I'd say, Gaffer, I said, turn up for training. There's no, oh, sorry, son, I forgot to tell you it's off. Wow. See you tomorrow. Put the phone down. And he'd do loads of little things like that. You know, it was just, it was horrendous. And I went in to see him and I said, listen, I said, you can do whatever you want to me in terms of get me here for training. I said, I will always turn up for training. I said, I'm a good professional footballer and I'll do whatever you tell me to do. So if you tell me to come here tonight at nine o'clock, I'll come. It doesn't bother me. And I said, and you know, you think that you're putting me out by making me drive over for two hours. He was like, well, like this. I said, I've got a flat five minutes from here. He didn't know. I said, so I stay in the flat. I said, so it's a five-minute journey. I said, so if you want me to keep coming to the training ground, that's fine. Five minutes away. And he was like, right, okay. About two or three days after, I got a call into his office. He said, listen, he said, uh, I want to apologise for the way that we've treated you. I said, listen, I said, I'm not a kid, 17-year-old kid who's naive and never been around the block. I said, I've played at bigger and better clubs than here. I said, but don't treat me like a kid. And he said, listen, I realise, he said, I've made a mistake. He said, you've been a great pro while you've been here. You've done everything that I've asked. He said, uh, Wrexham would like to take you back. So I said, that's fine. That's fine. I said, I've got 20 months left of my contract. I said, so get the chairman in. We'll negotiate a, a, a figure. And if you and if it's acceptable, I'll go. And, and it was. So so then obviously went back to Wrexham with Dennis Smith and we had the promotion year with Dennis. Well, the the year, the year that I the back end that I got there, we obviously got relegated, and then obviously the year after that we got promoted. So it was a bit of a mixed eighteen months. Yeah, because your record that Barnsley was it's the games you played. I think it was like there thereabouts one in three you'd score, and with Tranmere yeah. as well before that it was a decent record. Yeah, yeah. And then you yeah. came to us when we were on, like you said, on the cusp of getting relegated from yeah. what is now League One. League One, and yeah. there's that because I think it was yourself, Paul, um, oh Dan Bennett. Uh, yeah. Marius Rovda that were all basically, I guess, non-contract, where it was just That's playing yeah. for playing sake. And yeah. then there's the, yeah. the bizarre game where we got relegated and you we beat Ch- uh, Cambridge 5-0 and you yeah, get all yeah. five and all we get five. relegated on the same day. And it's just, yeah. I remember being in the cop for that one, thinking this... Well, I was I was gutted because he took me off with 25 minutes to go as well. I'd had a bit of a chest infection leading up to the game and I was sort of 50-50 where I was going to play. Ended up playing and then, obviously, Andy Morell set up five goals for me. And then I, I remember looking over, just not long scored my fifth, and I can see Hector getting ready to come on. And I'm thinking, well, he's not going to take me off because I've scored five already and there's 25 minutes to go. And I actually felt that I would score seven or eight because yeah. every time we went forward, I just thought, every, it was just one of them days when everything went in. And I, and I was just seemed to be in the right place at the right time. And 
Andy Morell was just feeding me these balls. I was just like, score. I'm just thinking, I score seven or eight. And I looked over and I can see number 44. And I'm thinking, that's I'm sure that's my number. As I looked at my shorts, I'm thinking, he's taking me off. Five, five, five mil up with 20. And he took me off. And I said, why are you taking me off? And he went, well, you're looking tired. I went, I'm tired. <laughs> I just scored five goals and tired. I said, he said, have a rest. He said, you've done your work for today. Have a sit down and have a rest. And then I found out later that the record goal scorer was Tommy Bamford, who'd scored five at home. Yeah. I think Juan, went, Juan Yagati went on and scored five. Yeah. Like 25 minutes of the game left. I, I 100% believe I'd have scored six or seven that day. Wasn't to be. Wasn't to be. Be greedy. But then I was obviously disappointed after because we got in the change rooms. And they said, you know, being relegated. So it wasn't, you know, even though I should have been sort of celebrating that I'd scored five, I was really gutted. You know, I remember being at home and thinking, we've just been relegated. I've been in a team that's been relegated and it yeah. wasn't a great feeling. So obviously then I had talks with a few other clubs in that summer. Uh, Dennis Smith said, listen, we want to keep you. He said, I think yourself, Lee Trundle, Andy Morell next season. He said, we've got a fantastic chance of being promoted. He said, will you stay? So I was like, yeah. It, financially, it wasn't benefiting me one bit because I'd had offers from four or five other clubs that were financially far greater than what I could have got. I think the five goals at the end of the season certainly helped. Yeah. But I was like, I've been relegated from my hometown club. I've just got unfinished business and I just need to play for us, play for Wrexham and see if we can get to back, back to where we were. And then obviously we've had the promotion year, which... Made me feel a little bit better. Yeah, it was. It was some of the best football I've ever seen. The race course was that promotion year with the the three five two with Carlos on one side and Paul Edwards the other. Um, just the, yeah. the, the football, and obviously we get third place, which you get a promotion yeah. with again a five 0 win against Cambridge, which you would scoring. But yeah. how was that? You talked about there was Andy Morell, there's Lee Trundle, there was Hector Sam, and yourself, and there's yeah. these four forwards where, as as a fan going, you like you, whoever plays, it, happy happy yeah. days sort of thing. How was that as a player yeah. to have that that competition? It's obviously only two striking yeah. places in the team. Well, I, I started the season, I, I did a good pre-season, and then I started the season up front with Andy. I think we played away at Scunthorpe. I think it was the, it, well, it was the, it was the game when Wayne broke his leg mm. uh, that I was responsible for as well with a slow ball back into him. And I totally regret that. Uh, but that's, a, that's another story. But I started the season uh, and I think we'd won the first couple of games and then I think we played on a Tuesday night against Oxford. And I, I remember back healing the ball to someone and I, and I felt the hamstring go. I thought, Jesus. And then that was the start of that season being sort of in and out. So I'd started the season and thought, you know what, if I can get a run of 20, 30 games, you know, we've got a chance of getting promoted. Yeah. It was probably a, a, as good a thing of, you know, if I'm be, not being selfish, but be a good thing for the football club that I did get injured because Truns came in and Truns was on fire, you know, yeah. Trun, and then Truns and Andy Morell sort of, you know, they clicked and I'm, I'm then sat on the side, even though I'm injured and sometimes I'm a sub watching them, I'm looking at them thinking, oh, wow, you know, I'm, I'm like a fan sat there. I want to play, don't get me wrong, I don't want to be sat on the bench, I don't want to be sat in the stands, but I'm thinking, oh my God, these two are unbelievable together. And I think it worked well that obviously when Trons had had a run of games, you know, I would maybe come on for 20 minutes and play the odd game here and there and Hector would do the same. I mean, Hector would start a few games 
and he goes on and scores 30-plus goals, whatever it was. And it just, it, it, for me, it just worked really, really well because there was four strikers there and I wasn't bitter if Andy and Hector and Truns went on and scored or I don't think that they were bitter if I went on. It, it was, it worked really well, you know, and, and obviously, you know, I consider sort of, well, the three of them still good. I don't see Hector much, but the other two still really good mates and we still have a laugh and a joke about, about that year. Uh, but it was just fantastic to play in. And again, you know, scoring the fifth goal against Cambridge to get promoted on the last game of the season in front of the cup was just like a dream come true again. It was, yeah. a, I, I felt that I'd come full circle, you know, from being a player at 17, scoring in front of the cop, in front of 1,200 people against Rochdale, which was my first league goal, to then being nearly at the end of my career, playing you know, in my hometown club, getting them promoted, or helping them getting promoted, playing in front of the cop. It was just... I just felt it had come full circle. And obviously, you know, for me, it was just, it was, it was a really special moment. Yeah. Uh, and me too. I remember it was my, uh, to age myself, it was there, thereabouts around my 21st birthday. And there's like a present. Um, my right. mum and my old man had got me in, I think it was three mates at the time, uh, into yeah. the director's box for like the, the, the VIP stuff that and it's just like okay. this, celebrating 21 um, yeah. and a few beers and then it's just all the celebrations on the pitch and just being like up in the I guess it would be Bamford's now and it's it was yeah. oh it was um, yeah it was yeah, surreal scenes yeah, yeah. you talk about the, the strikers there and I thought like everybody brought so much to it so much different to it because obviously yeah. Lee Trundle you said earlier on about one of the most skillful players you've played with yeah. most skillful yeah. players I think any of us have ever seen yeah. at Wrexham um, and him and Andy Morell had a great relationship yourself I, I always yeah. thought yourself you were the, the most clinical finisher out the four um, and the yeah. movement and then Hector was just that erratic X factor with Hector where... off the cuff off the cuff Hector yeah. Yeah. yeah he was off the cuff it, and again and like I said, it, it just worked because we all brought something different. Yeah. So if something wasn't working on the pitch, if Andy and Truns were playing and it wasn't working, they may throw me or Hector on and it would bring something different and, and vice versa. Whoever was playing, if the other two were on the bench, I think it was good for, for Dennis to look at the bench and think, right, I can change it by bringing him on because he can run over the top yeah. or I can throw Hector on. But who knows what Hector's going to do because I don't think he knows himself. You know, it was just it was just one of them, and then obviously, Andy Morell's Andy Morell's work rate was he he probably worked as hard on the pitch as anyone else I've ever played with. Certainly playing up front, as I say, when when we had the the game against Cambridge and the five assists, you know, it was like people were saying, "Yeah, but you scored five goals." I said, "No, hold on a minute." I said, "If Andy Morell doesn't work like he works, I don't get any of them chances." You know, and I've looked back at the games and looked back at the videos and stuff like that and looked at the five goals and but that was Andy. And you know, and that that year he was just basically unplayable and everything he went in. But it wasn't people look at and go, Well, he scored 35 goals. It was more of 30 plus goals, whatever it was. It was more than that. His work rate was unbelievable. You know, corners against, he'd be heading balls away. He'd be next thing he'd be upholding the ball and bringing others into play, and then he could run over the top and score. You know, he scored a few penalties, whatever it was. But his desire and work rate, he, he's certainly up there with any of the players that I've ever played with in terms of his work rate. It was just phenomenal. It was frightening. 
Yeah, and then we obviously we get promoted with that side, um, which as I mentioned, that three five two is just so much fun to, to watch. Uh, how much yeah. how fun was that to be involved in? Because that was a system which I guess I'm going to go on a limb. So you probably never really played in before then, because it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was that spell probably in like the I guess 97, <laughs> 96, 97, 98, where you'd yeah. have like Gareth South, uh, no, uh, Glenn Hoddle would start kind of playing it for England, and a few Premier League yeah. teams would try it out. But how was that to, yeah. to play in that system with those yeah, players around? I mean, to, to be fair, we we never really bothered about systems you know we, we we just if the guys say go out and play like this then you go out and play it for me it didn't really affect how I played because as a centre forward if you're playing a two the only difference really with the centre forward is if you play up front on your own which I never really did because I wasn't that type but so I always used to play up front with someone but what what you did know was that there'd certainly be balls coming into the box so if Paul Edwards was on one side Carlos was on the other you knew that when they got the ball the ball was coming in. It was never a case of, well, we'll play it back into midfield or we'll go out the other side. It was Carlos one-on-one with a fullback, getting a box. Paul Edwards one-on-one with a fullback, getting a box. So you knew as a forward, if you went in the box, you went scoring goals because that's where it was coming. So it was, it, it worked well. You know, the system worked fantastic and, the, and credit to Dennis as well. It may not have worked as good with a 4-4-2 or 4-3-3, whatever it was, you know. A three-five-two certainly worked the way that we played because we were solid at the back. We had a great midfield, and we also had players who could score goals, yeah. and we had a decent keeper who could keep the ball out of the net. So, oh, and the other keeper it certainly yeah. yeah. So, how did the departure come then with, from uh, from the race course? That'd be obviously the your fourth yeah. spell. So, uh, so basically, what I mean, the the second year that obviously I was there, I'd only signed a two-year contract, and there was me, Crystal Well. Lynn, Hector, Chris Armstrong, and Dennis Smith called me into the office. I didn't I hadn't played as many games in the second year as I did in the first. And he said to me, listen, he said, finances are really tight. He said, and I'm only going to go with three strikers this year. He said, and unfortunately, you're the only con- you're the only striker that's out of contract. He said, Chris Llewellyn is uh, Chris Llewellyn, Chris Armstrong, and Hector have all got a year left. So he said, so I'm going to have to let you go. So I was like, okay. I said, well, I feel like I've done a job to, that I've been brought in to do, which was obviously get the club back promoted. Yeah. And I said, you know, I said, I was gutted. You know, I remember driving out of college being, you know, not far off crying because I was gutted and thought I'll never play for Wrexham Football Club again now because that was the stage of my career. But, you know, I didn't have sort of any regrets because I, I knew that I'd affected the team enough in that sort of, in that second first season I got back there to get him promoted so you know it is what it is I had offers to carry on playing but I, I, I chose against playing and went down the coaching route then yeah uh, so you go to Carnarvon uh, where you play and then become end up becoming a joint manager I guess with Wayne at one point Wayne Phillips yeah so so Wayne was a manager yeah and he said listen and I wanted to carry on playing at some level I had offers to go to York to Carlisle to Hibs but I just felt at that time I was 32 uh, and I'd been travelling back into to Barnsley prior to going back to Wrexham. Yeah. And my 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 eldest now, he's 21, but at the time he was two or three. And I just felt I'd lost a lot of him growing up by travelling back and to and staying over in Barnsley and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't want to, want to travel to Carlisle or Hibs or York. And I thought, you know what, I, I want to be a coach. I was, it was something that always interested me. Uh so I thought I'll set myself a target to be a pro license holder within six years or by the time I'm 40. 
And then what I'll do is I'll play part-time alongside it. Wayne Phillips was a manager of Carnarvon. So I went up to Carnarvon, played with Wayne for 12 months, and then we ended up at Druids. And all the time I was doing that, I was doing my coaching badges and then ended up with Wayne as joint manager at Druids for, I think, about 18 months while I was doing my pro licence. And then and then I, I was got my pro licence in when I was 37. So I was about a year ahead of schedule, which is which is, you know, I was pleased with. So, and then obviously it was a different route then. Yeah. I, I hope you found the, the the whole coaching side of things and the, well, I guess the managerial side of things as well. How's yeah. how's that been? Yeah, I, I mean, I went in with Wayne and doing the, the managerial stuff with uh, Druids. And although I, I didn't mind the managerial stuff, I just felt that, I still wanted to play, obviously, so I was sort of player manager and, and Wayne was a player manager as well. And I always used to think, well, if I was a player and I've got Wayne and myself, who who do I go speak to? Sort of one of them yeah. things. So I think, obviously, we we sort of, we, we didn't, I think it was about 18 months, we kept them in the Welsh Premier League and did what we were brought in to do. And then we'd obviously, we'd left. Uh, I mean, in terms of what I do now, I'm assistant manager to Neil Gibson at Flint. So I do that alongside my Burnley stuff. And I feel more comfortable being an assistant and a, and a coach and doing the coaching than maybe dealing with the day-to-day rubbish that a football manager has to deal with, you know. And and it's the same at any level, whether it's Welsh Premier League level, you know, all the managers will say to you that every day they're dealing with rubbish that they shouldn't be dealing with. And you speak to Premier League managers at Sean Dyche's level, and you know I speak to Sean, and he'll say exactly the same thing. It's just it's the same crap that they deal with, but at a different level. And you know, with what I do now, wouldn't allow me to be a manager anyway because it's it's just a two time consuming. You know, it's twenty four seven being a manager, yeah. whereas being a coach and being an assistant. Although you do a lot of work in terms of the prep and the coaching and a lot of stuff on match day, you don't have to deal with the day-to-day rubbish of whether it be the board, whether it be uh, the players, whether it be the chairman, the grounds, whatever it is, you know, you don't have the media, you don't have to deal with any of that, which is which I'm quite comfortable with. Would it stop me going into management further down the line? Probably not. If, if a club came in and it was the right thing to do, but I've got no burning desire to to want to go down that path, if I'm being honest. Coaching is, and recruitment with what I'm doing now, I'm totally happy with. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just before we get to the fans' questions and your Wrexham 11, what what, was, uh, what is, just for people not aware, what's the role you're doing at, at Burnley then now? So I'm, I'm a European scout. So I've been there for nearly, well, for two years now. And I'm normally based in Europe, so going to watch players in basically all over Europe up until November last year, obviously, because of COVID uh, was the last time I went abroad. I was over in Germany on, on the Saturday and then Denmark the following week. So it can take you anywhere, you know, or anywhere in Europe. And But since COVID, since we've been sort of grounded around November time, I've been mainly doing the UK stuff. So I'm actually on my way to West Ham and West Brom tonight. I was at Wrexham's game last night, West Ham tonight, and then Tranmere and Morecambe tomorrow. So covering the UK stuff at the moment. And then we've been told around sort of 
August, September, we're looking that we'll probably be going back abroad. So my weekends will be spent in some country somewhere other than the UK. Yeah, not, not, not just it's good of, I enjoy it. It's, 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 it's good because as I've been doing it for two years now and I've now got knowledge of players that, you know, you, you'd never dream of. I've got players in Ukraine. I know players in Czech Republic. I know players in Germany, you know, in the first and the second division, whatever it might be. So if somebody says to me, listen, we need a, a centre forward who is only going to cost us 50 grand and... He's got to be between the ages of 19 and 23. Within five minutes, I'll have that information. So it's it's good in terms of what I'm doing now. And the level that, that we're at, it's it's quite, you know, the player that we look for for Burnley is completely different, obviously, to the player that Liverpool might look for in terms of cost, in terms of profile of the player. So it's it's every day is different, you know, so... If I'm not out watching a game, I'm watching games on Y Scout or Scout Seven or wherever it is. You know, watch two games this morning. Uh, different players, so it's good. It's varied. Whereas, sort of coaching is a lot more time-consuming in terms of being at a football club from nine o'clock in the morning to maybe eight nine o'clock at night. You know, most of my days are spent at home or at traveling to games, and then you know coming back and doing reports. So. It's good, it's varied, it's a little bit different, well, it is a lot different to coaching, but something I really enjoy, you know, I, I did the recruitment at Tranmere for a spell, and then I went into Swansea and did two years or 18 months of recruitment for their academy. So then I've obviously gone from a sort of an academy level, looking at under 23s, now up into the first team. So it's good, enjoy it. Yeah, sounds, sounds great, <laughs> sounds fascinating, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, right, the travel, so, the travel can be a bit of a pain, but it's it's okay now and again. Yeah, uh, let's get us wrapped up with some fans' questions, and then your extra eleven. Yeah. Um, the yeah. first question is something that I purposely avoided during the during the, the rest of this chat because I, I knew this question was coming in uh, from Petrofenia yeah. on Red Passion, who asked, right. uh, "How did it feel scoring that injury time winner at Game Meadow in two thousand and three? One of the." one of the greatest Wrexham goals I'm going to say of my lifetime it's, it wasn't like a 30 yard screamer but just for the, no, the context no. of it all yeah to, to be honest it was it was fantastic and, and fantastic and strange because my my dad was from Shrewsbury I mean he's from oh, Shrewsbury uh, but obviously he's lived in Wrexham all his life and he's got family over in Shrewsbury and there was a couple of my family from Wrexham and a couple of his family from Shrewsbury watching the game, obviously at different ends. And then before the game, Gaffer's named the team. I, I was disappointed. I was a bit pissed off, if I'm being honest. I'm allowed to say that. Uh, that wasn't playing. That wasn't starting. Because uh, I felt that I'd done all right in the games leading up to it, whether I'd come on or, or so. I was a little bit peed off with it. But then with about 15 minutes to go, Dennis Smith says to me, he said, listen, he said, we're one each. Go on. I need you to go and score the winner. I was like, right, fine, okay. That's that simple. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was very similar to what Brian Flynn said to me at West Ham. He said, I need you to go on and score a goal. And, and obviously it, it worked out. It doesn't always work out like that. But And then obviously I think it was Craig Morgan's played the ball over the top. And all I remember is, because the linesman was, as I, as I made my run over the top, I remember the linesman was right in front of me. And just as I've made the run, I'm thinking, is he putting his flag up? And he didn't. And as soon as he didn't, I knew that then I'm away. But even even when I took my first touch, I thought, I've scored. 
even even before I'd got anywhere near. I think Mark Cartwright was in goal. It was, yeah, it's Mark Cartwright. Yeah, and uh, even before I got into the eighteen yard box, I knew I'd scored. It was it was just that was the belief I had. And then obviously I've, I've put it in the corner, and I and it was just I could just remember because it was like Shrewsbury had these like black the black fence around yeah. the back of the goal. And I can just remember faces and arms and legs and everything pressed up. And it was just, that was just amazing. But knowing that we were that much closer then to getting promoted made it even, even sweet. I think I, I think for some reason I've run in the corner flag and I've took the corner flag out. Yeah. And, yeah. Tried, and, I, and I think I've tried to throw the corner flag into the, into the stand. But some, <laughs> someone's, as, as I've gone to throw it, because it's a probably a good job in it because I've probably killed someone. Someone's grabbed me. On the, on the corner flags ended up on the floor wherever it was but why I did that I just don't know it's just probably the, the elation and the, of the moment really but yeah. as I say it was uh, yeah it was, a, it was a good feeling don't think my dad's family were that happy like but nah, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter <laughs> it was it was just that moment where the we just had the ball from Craig Morgan, the ball through the top. And yeah. you realise that, because their defence, there was just that massive gap down the left side, well, down our right-hand side, their left side, yeah. where I don't know where the fullback had gone. The centre-half wasn't getting across, and it was just... He was claiming offside, I think. And yeah. as I say, I, I knew I wasn't offside, because I think we're running in front of the defender. Yeah. And as I've gone past him, I've looked at the lines, and I'm thinking, is he putting his flag up? And then when he didn't, because I was already sort of running forward... When I've actually took my first touch, I knew I'd scored. It was it was just a really weird feeling. I just thought I can't miss. Yeah. It was almost like I was just running it into an empty net. But and then obviously you know with the scenes and stuff, and I think it was it was one of the last minutes as well. Like yeah, think, yeah, what, yeah, eighty something minute, whatever it was. But yeah, it was brilliant. And it kind of put us to that one step further to near enough exactly. cement in promotion, and I, I'm sure it pretty much relegated them. Um, yeah. And we, yeah, it was just that, like we talked about before about how the, the four strikers at that time offered something different. I remember me and yeah. my mates coming out of that game, happy as a uh, pig in muck, should we say? Yeah. And just all of us saying like, of all the people to have had that chance, you're the one that we wanted to have had that chance because, yeah, like yeah. I said, to, to me, yeah. it was the best finish at the club. And yeah, yeah. I'm getting giddy thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah. That's um, good. Right, next up, we've got English Red on Red Passion. Uh, after you hit, uh, and again, go back to another one of your goals, the West Ham goal. After you hit the shot against West Ham, were you worried it was drifting wide? Because it was that, it's that kind of second of like, how like did he get that? Before, Where's it going? Yeah, it, like I said to you before, when I was running through, obviously, Gaz was a bit of great, but took a touch, and my first touch has set me up ready to, to slide it past the keeper. And, and again, you're not making excuses, but pitches back in them days, it was shocking. So, yeah. you know, yeah. it was bouncy, it was bobbly. But I think that if I'd have hit it well, I wouldn't have scored. And I look back at it now and think, I've actually, when he's dived, because I've because his, as his arm's done that, I've scuffed it. If I'd have hit it well, I think I hit his arm. But because I've scuffed it, sort of bubbled under his arm before he's gone down and, it, and it's ended up trickling in. But when that moment from actually kicking the ball to it going in the net felt like forever, because I, I just thought... Is it, I knew it was going in because I could see the line of it inside the post. It was about a yard inside the post. So I, I knew it wasn't going wide, but it just took an age for it to go in. And then obviously when it did, then the rest is history, as they say. Yeah. It's like that Carl goal against Birmingham where it was just, it, it, it just, it took about four it days to get in. Like it was going to go wide and then just, yeah. and you just think, it, it's just one of them things. And sometimes, you know, you, you hit it and it goes in within like a split second. Whereas other times you do hit it and you don't get a good contact on it and, and it takes a while. But 
Yeah, it went in. You only get one goal, whether it's a 35 yard yeah. or whether it's and, and I've got mates now who go, Have you seen that goal on YouTube? And they, and they put the, put it on, on YouTube, isn't it? And they'll yeah. say, Look at this. And they'll stick it on the TV. I mean, we were at a barbecue the other week and they put it on the TV. Look at that shit. Goal. I went, Listen, you only get one goal, whether it goes in the top corner from 35 yards or whether you scuff it in. I said, yeah. It doesn't matter. So that, that's my comeback for them. Perfect comeback on that. I have a yeah. question from Haruki. Uh, wants to know just the, about your experiences of your time involved in the Glendora Football Academy. Yeah. So, I mean, we set that up. It was uh, basically a way to encourage released players. And obviously at the time, Wrexham had a centre of excellence, but when we weren't really producing players through the academy to get into the first team. And, you know, our idea was sort of, can we form this academy with the university? So they go into the university and uh, study. And at the same time, have the opportunity to play for Wrexham. So they'll train alongside the first team. So there was the first team, the youth team, and then the Glyndewry Academy. And the idea was to maybe get one out of that Glyndewry Academy that's not going to cost the football club any money and get them into the first team. Now, when we got it, so when we started it, it was Kevin Wilkin was a manager. Yeah. And Kevin Wilkin really bought into it and said, what a fantastic idea. Barry Horn and uh, Don Bircham really behind it. But we need a first-team manager that's going to, you know, going to sort of enhance it and embrace it and then give the boys the opportunity. If they're good enough and if they're not good enough, fine, not a problem. And Kevin Wilkin came in and, and to be fair to Kevin and Gary Mills at the time, who was his assistant, uh, gave the boys opportunities to train with them. So they train with them day, most days, you know, the, the better ones. And, and it worked really well. There's a couple of lads who played. I think Corey Roper played, made his debut. I think Liam Walsh made an appearance. Uh, there was a couple of others who were in and around the fringes of it, and it worked really well. And then it sort of fell flat on its face when they brought in Gary Mills as manager. So Gary Mills came in as a manager and from day one said, don't want anything to do with any of the youth players. Now, that's not just the Glendur Academy. That's the lads who've been here for 10, 12 years from the under nines. And I sat in a room with him and he said, see all that on that board there, which was the list of all the academy players, the under nines, the 16s and the 18s. He went, they're no good to me. Don't need any of them. Waste of time. And from that day, I thought the club's made such a massive mistake, which, yep. which they've had. And obviously, you know, people uh, who employed him will have to take the flat for that and rightly so. But there was just no, he was not anyone who embraced Wrexham Football Club as it should be. Not interested one jot about any of the young players playing, just not bothered. So it, it literally fell flat on its face because of one, not because of Gary Mills, but because of the people who employed him. That was a long and short bit. And it sort of, Dean Keats, uh, towards the sort of back end of it, took over the coaching side of it. I moved then, sort of the back, back, back end, I moved to, Tram uh, to Tranmere. They'd offered me a great opportunity to go in as their academy manager. So I'm sat there with Gary Mills, looking at this club, thinking, not interested in youth. And Gary and uh, Matt Pallius at Tranmere has given me this opportunity to go in as academy manager and make a huge difference with their youth project and it was a no-brainer to leave you know it was just so 
Dean Keats took over the running of of the uh, of the academy until it sort of ended in terms of the football opportunity. The lads still carried on and still got their degrees, which was fantastic. You know, there's a couple of them. I spoke to Liam Walsh, who's now playing at Pennebont. Uh, so he got his degree in sports science. Uh, Joe Newton went on. He's now working at Bristol City as their first team analyst. So Corey Roper was another one who is, he got his degree, a master's uh, in sports and exercise science. So success stories off the pitch, yeah. but not so much on, you know. And I think if, if the if the club would have employed or kept Kevin Wilkin on or employed somebody who wanted youth at the heart of the football club, and I'm not just talking about the Glyndur Academy, I'm talking about the under nines all the way through to the youth team plus the Glyndur Academy, the football club wouldn't be in the mess it's in today, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. But you've then got to look at the people who've employed him. I think a lot of people would agree on that. It just that, that whole, yeah. Gary Mills is a, is a topic we could talk about for another hour uh, and, and, and the decisions made at that, at that time. And I've got stories that, and other people have got stories that would make your eyes water and you would not believe that, that went on at the football club. And, you know, and you can speak to parents of players who were in that academy who would tell you stories that make your eyes water. And many people will probably look at this podcast and just say, Ah, he's talking rubbish. Uh, believe me, that I'm not talking rubbish. There is a lot of stuff that people don't realise went on at that time, you know. But listen, that's water under the bridge now. We can just look forward to a successful Wrexham being taken over by two good owners. Very much so. Um, and a slightly lighter question on, on the back yeah. of that one <laughs> from Paul M. Wrexham on Twitter, this one. Um, your favourite Wrexham goal? Um, my favourite Wrexham goal, uh, obviously the Shrewsbury one. Mm-hmm. That's that's very high. Uh, obviously the West Ham one is is very very high as well. The one that sticks out really in my mind is the is the goal against Cambridge in the that got us got us promoted. Yeah, the five nil, not the one where I scored the five, but the other one uh, going through one on one. Yeah, someone put it on Twitter the other day. And, and it shows you the angle from sort of ground level and all the cop is just absolutely chock-a-block. And that, that's the one that really sticks out. My debut goal uh, against Rochdale, my first goal, I still remember that, although if, I don't think you'd be able to get any footage of that. But uh, yeah, there's there's a few that stick out in the mind, but certainly that, that one that got us promoted or the one that helped us get promotion. Uh, cool as a cucumber there. Cool as a cucumber. Not too bad. No. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if this is an inside joke, but uh, Mark Bolton's got in touch on Twitter to ask, do you think JP was the best physio you ever worked with? JP? Yeah. I, I, that's, I saw the question. <laughs> uh, Mark Bolton, yeah. So JP, JP is the... Uh... <laughs> so when I went to Prestatin, so I went in as director of football at Prestatin because I have a pro licence and JP's a, a physio there. And... Uh, all, I'm, all I'll say to you is that he gives the worst rubs before the game that anyone will ever have. So he'll have rubber gloves on, but instead of putting oil on, he'll just give you a rub and just the hairs are just coming out of your leg. And he's just that's he's just a really funny man, honestly. But to be fair, all the staff are. There's Martin Jones, who was at Pristine, was at Pristine, uh, JP and Bolly, Matt Bolton. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're really good. They're really good. 
Yeah, uh, and uh, a former teammate of yours got in touch as well, Steve Thomas. Oz has got in touch to see uh, out, out of 10, what do you think of the chef's food at the training ground? Oh, two. Two at best. Yeah, two at best. Uh, it wasn't uh, It wasn't a la carte, put it that way. It was more like off the card. <laughs> it, was, it was, yeah, not... Uh, again, some of the things that, that went on... Honestly, it's just it's crazy. I could I could tell you, you know. So we come in after training, and you know, the chef at the time, he he would be making mashed potato and stuff like that, and he'd be in a bowl and all this kind of stuff, and it, but he'd be mashing it with his hands. So he'd have the gloves on and he'd be mashing it with his hands, but then the potato would fall out and go on the floor, and I'd be looking at it and thinking, he'd put that in the bin. Yep. Nah. Scoop the mashed potato and put it back in the bowl and start mixing it again. And then all the lads would come in from training and I'd be like, don't have the mashed potato. <laughs> Been on the floor. And it used to happen, you know, the food was, it, it wasn't great if I'm being honest, but listen, it is what it is. Ozzy yeah. actually likes the green beans. Ask him about the green beans. And uh, when, when you do the next one, next podcast with him, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he'll elaborate on that for you. He is on my hit list to get on here at some point, so yeah. I'll, I'll make a note of that one. Keep that in my mind. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And the last question before we get to your X of 11, what was the, yeah. the the differences between playing under Brian Flynn and Dennis Smith? Because there's a lot of the players that you came through with early on, they wouldn't have played under yeah. Dennis. Um, obviously, you, yeah. three different spells, got to play under both of them. Yeah, I think, I think obviously, there were two different times at the football club. Yeah. Obviously, you know, Brian Flynn had thrown the youngsters in because he could and we were sort of, in and around that bottom edge of the table, but he was doing it for experience. Whereas Dennis had brought in sort of a good mix of youth and experience. And it was all about what certainly when I got there was winning the, winning the league and get promoted. So there wasn't a great deal in, in terms of difference, in terms of uh, managing and coaching, I would say. We used to do the 11 v 11 on a Thursday, which was a standard thing with Dennis hour and a half, it was Groundhog Thursday, you know, and, and it never changed every week. Rooster you, you, Rooster was the uh, assistant manager at the time. Rooster was fantastic, you know, made the lads, if any lads were down, he'd get his arm around them and, and pick them back up. And it was always, whenever Rooster was coaching or whatever, it was always always a buzz and you always felt you were at it. Uh, so there wasn't, there was similarities. They obviously, they weren't the same, but there were similarities between the two. And, and the end goal was that, you know, we wanted to get promoted at the end of the season. And, and you know, we did with, with Dennis. Yeah. And uh, this is the moment everyone's been waiting for. Lee Jones, this is your Wrexham 11 from your time, wow. your various stints at the football club. Yeah. Uh, well, I, actually, I looked over it last night and there was there was loads and loads that I'd forgotten as well. But I'll kick off. So I'm, I was going to go with a 4-4-2. Right. So... My goalkeeper choices were obviously Dibs, Vince O'Keefe, Mark Morris. Uh, Mark sort of edged it for me only because when I sort of broke into the team, he was a young lad as well. And, you know, he, he was fantastic. Some of the stuff he was, you know, and obviously he's gone on and, and I've done really well and is now, you know, with the academy, I think, at, at Liverpool and yeah. with their goalkeepers, he, he's done fantastic. And, and my back four... Uh, again, it was a fifth. It was a bit of a toying cost. This one with Maka and Andy Thackeray. So 
obviously different times that I was there together. There was, a, there was a different period of time. But for me, Andy Thackeray was just not saying that Macca's not reliable because Macca could throw in the odd 30-yarder. But Andy Thackeray, every time he went on the pitch, was 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10. You know, I don't think Andy Thackeray ever had a bad game. He was just a machine up and down all the time. I just broke into the team, obviously, and looking at someone as a professional footballer, he was the epitome of a pro. Just everything he did was spot on. Not an ounce of fat on him. Lived his life like it should. And a, and a great example to, to certainly young players. Uh, my first centre-half, so there was obviously Mark Satori when, when, when I first obviously got into Wrexham team. But Carlo's gone to Man City and, and England and doing good things with them. But for me, the, the person... I couldn't ever leave him out would be Joey Jones. Jo- Joey was just, probably well, know he is, he's Mr. Wrexham. Like I said before, he's, he, he's like a second dad to me. He'd look after you on the pitch. So if anything happened on the pitch, he would be the first one over and no one ever messed with him. And you always went on the pitch knowing that he had your back, whether you were playing well, whether you were not. You know, if anyone had to go at you, like I said to you before, the John Bowden story, uh, he was always on, he was always there for you. So Joey for me, an absolute no-brainer. Alongside him is, an, is, a, is a player who I don't think got enough credit. And I, I always I always say this to people, whenever I went on the pitch and this player played, I never thought we were going to concede, and that's Mel Pedic. Yes. Mel, Mel Pedic played right centre-half. And I played, remember playing against him for Hereford, Wrexham against Hereford in the Welsh Cup semi-final. And I thought, Jesus Christ, I couldn't, I couldn't run past him. I couldn't outstrength him because I couldn't because I wasn't like that way anyway. I couldn't beat him in the air. I couldn't do anything to beat him. I just thought, wow. And then in the summer we signed him. I was like, oh my god, we signed Mal Pedic, and he was the same day in day out training and on in games. Whenever he played, I never felt we were going to concede. It was just it, it was that's how it was. Uh, so Pedge obviously, and I think he he was very underrated in terms of what he brought to the football club at Wrexham. Uh, left back. No brainer for me, Phil Hardy. You know, came in as apprentice with Phil. Uh, gutted, personally gutted that he never got that move to a to a bigger club. And there's obviously when we we talked about the Liverpool thing, there was Graham Soonis was there to watch Phil. I had a particularly good game and ended up moving. And I said to you before about being the right place at the right time. But Phil was fantastic, you know, and and, and I certainly think certainly for the last twenty. 30 years, whatever it is, he's been the best left-back at the football club by country mile. And, you know, for me, unbelievable. Uh, my two centre midfielders, and that was a really tough one because there was the likes of Jim Whitley, Mickey Thomas, Wayne Phillips, Scott Green when he oh, came yeah. on low. Unbelievable. But for me, Gaz Owen is, you know, and always will be, for me, one of the best players to ever wear a Wrexham shirt. You know, a good mate of mine. Can't speak highly enough of him as a person, but as a player, unbelievable energy. And again, gutted that he never went on and played probably as high as I think he could. I think he could have been a top, top player, guys, comfortably. Uh, Alongside him, Darren Ferguson. So Fergie played captain of our promotion winning team. Whenever he played, again, whenever he picked the ball up, if I'm playing alongside him, I know wherever I am on the pitch, he'll find me. Just one of them players. I didn't even have to look look at him, but I just knew where to run 
like almost sort of telepathic at times. I'd know where to run, and next thing the ball would be in front of me. And I'd be like, well, how has he got that ball to me? And But it was just one of them sort of relationships on the pitch. And I had that with probably two or three people throughout my career. Kenny Irons was another one at, at, at Tranmere. Uh, but Darren Ferguson was the one, whenever I played for Rexham, I thought, if he picks a ball up and I run over the top, I'm going to score. So the two wide men, Carlos Edwards, again, no-brainer, created so many chances, that promotion-winning team, went on, had a really good career, obviously, at Millwall and Sunderland. Uh, but quick, power, pace, you know, he could cut back on his left foot, he'd go to cross it, he'd cut back on his right, and you're just like, some of the things he did were unbelievable. On the other side, Cal Connolly, you know, Carl coming... Probably you'd look at Carl when he first come in and say, Carl will never, ever be a footballer. He's just looked just, I mean, I was skinny. He, he made me look fat, uh, but strong, strong as an ox. His, his timing in the air, his leap. So we used to put goal kicks on him and he'd come across the full back and he'd just head it inside. And whenever we had a goal kick, I always knew that if it was going to Carl, if I made my run and my timing was good, I'd be on the end of it because he'd never used to lose a header. But strength-wise, I don't know how he was so strong because there's just nothing of him. But, you know, as a midfield for Carlos, Gaz, Darren Ferguson, Carl Conley, I don't think there'd be many, many teams that would beat them. And then up front was was pretty difficult, if I'm being honest. You know, played up front with a few, a few really, really good players. Uh, Stevie Watkin, you know, Steve was probably the most unselfish player that I've ever seen. You know, we used to play up front with Gary Bennett. I wasn't there with Benno. Uh, but Stevie created so many goals. You know, Benno scored 40-plus goals that year. Stevie Watkin must have had 30 assists. He just did so much work that people didn't see. It was just unbelievable. So, But Stevie just missed out, and the two that I've gone for, which probably I don't think anyone could probably argue with me, the times that I've been there is Truns and Andy Morell. You know, Truns just did things with the football that he just looked and went, and I, and I obviously I've played at the top level at Liverpool. I've been away with Wales no end of times. That no one can do stuff like Lee Trundle in terms of manipulate the ball in tight areas. Obviously, Trun's got his move to Bristol City, uh, played at that level. I think if Trun's had been half a yard quicker, would have comfortably played in the Premier League for years and years and years. It was just always that little bit of doubt that whether he would step up because of his lack of lack of a yard. But back to goal. Wow, just frightening. And Andy Morell, as I say, I never worked with anyone or never played with anyone who's worked as hard as Andy Morell in a game of football. And, you know, obviously the, we mentioned it before, the five goals that I scored, he had five assists that day. But I've watched the game back maybe two or three times over the last couple of years. His work rate in the game is just stupid. It's just unbelievable. But he was like that every week. And obviously, he got his rewards that season. I think he obviously got his move to Coventry on the back of that. You know, he'd been to Blackpool as well. Uh, but I think if you if you look at that as a team, any team's beaten that, to be fair. You know? A hell of a side. A hell of an 11, huh? Yeah. You know, they, they, listen, there's loads of players who had a probably, you know, Rooster, for instance, you know, had a Brian Carey at the back. It was just... You know, Mickey Thomas, for instance, you know, 
all legends, quality players, but you know, I, I could have been the same as Mark Cartwright. I ain't sitting on the fence and picking 20 players. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to pick my 11 and stick with it. You know, there's going to be people disappointed that they're not in it, but I, I've just been fortunate enough to play with and alongside so many, you know, really, really good players. And it was a privilege to play amongst, you know, alongside every one of them. Brilliant. Well, a brilliant way to uh, to wrap things up there, Lee. Um, no thanks so much for joining us. It's been a long one. This is why I end up being another two part. I, th- I thought Gaz <laughs> Owen was uh, was the only one that's going to do that, but um, who knows? Um, but no, it's I massively appreciated, mate. It's been um, no worries at all. My been, pleasure. Really, really fun. That. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't know what, how to end after that eleven. That's um, that's that, I think that might be the best eleven we've had so far, just in terms of. Yeah, it's not a be, bad 11 to be fair no, yeah. be some, there wouldn't be many teams that beat it but I don't think so anyway you know it's got a bit of everything I think it's got a bit of it's got a bit of fight with the bit with Joey and Pedge yeah you know it's got a bit and of and Fergie of, as well oh Darren Fergie, like the yeah well Fergie loved the scrap yeah you know I remember him coming to blows with Hector a few times in, in training <laughs> and uh, a few handbags flying but you know that was just, that was the same every week there was fights every week in training but you know that's the norm I imagine two very different mentalities there with Hector and and Darren. Hector very laid back and Darren, as you can expect, expecting a little bit more of Hector and Hector saying, well, I just want to do what I want to do. And that's not really uh, allowing (laughs) him to do it, shall we say. So, but uh, no, it was good. It was good. Um, well, this has been episode seven of the Wrexham Legends Lounge podcast. Myself, Andrew Bala, joined by Lee Jones in association with Hill Street Social. Be sure to uh, subscribe, like, comment, retweet, all that good stuff on uh, by searching for Wrexham Legends on all your podcast platforms and on YouTube as well. Lee, once again, cheers, mate. Thanks no for joining us. And uh, we'll see you soon. Reminds at the, uh, at the Hill Street. Yes, very much so, mate. As soon as, uh, as, soon as there's a, a chance to get there, we can have a few cold Brilliant. ones. Superb. Top man. Brilliant, mate. Top man. Rest, 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 rest.